Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Again, um, thank you, beloved church. Again, I uh, thank God for his mercy to be able to stand here before you this morning. Uh, it's been two weeks since I last came here, and you know I've had somewhat of an abnormal week or two weeks. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, normalcy kind of breeds a sense of false security. And um, whenever that security is threatened by you know, uh, any, anything that's unpleasant, it kind of shakes me and gets, catches my faith off guard. And God has to keep reminding me again to ground myself in his presence and the truth of his word. Um, you know, I've struggled with a particular illness for more than 25 years. You know, early in my 20s, I was diagnosed as being medicated, and I've just been praying to God, like, you know, I want freedom from this. And, and I truly believe God is going to do that for me. Um, but, you know, it, while you're going through the process, it's, it's, it's challenging, it's discouraging, it's disappointing. Um, you know, on my best days, it's very uncomfortable. On my worst days, it's debilitating. And while I'm going through the, you know, sort of the in-between process, I'm hearing about people in my circle of friends who are now facing life-threatening illnesses. And that just kind of shocked me, but it also exposed my heart again. And, you know, God was just positioning, showing the position of my heart. Like, in one sense, you know, there's a default mode position where I'm just living life normally. And, enjoying it, uh, you know, I'm enjoying the routine, um, and I have this sense of control that I, you know, whatever decisions I make, it's gonna happen, and, and there's that one aspect of my heart where, you know, I'm walking with, you know, just doing what I wanna do, doing life. Then you have the second aspect of it, which is sort of, you know, the, the anxiety mode where, you know, trials come your way and you're sort of trying to panic and not know what to do. And in both of this, God was like rebuking me and he's saying, Pretty much, where's your faith, Joyson? Um, you are not exercising the depth of faith that you have call, been called to exercise as a believer. And this is the rebuke that God was giving me as I was going through all of these things in these past two weeks. And so after lifting myself off the ground, I'm standing here before you to talk about what, you know, what God was teaching me in this process. Now, I want us to read from Romans chapter four. I mean, it's so cool that we were just quoting scriptures from Romans this morning as we were you know, leading worship. And so I want us to look at Romans chapter four, verses 18 to 24. And it's giving us a glimpse of the life of Abraham and his faith. And much of the principles of what you know, we want to learn from his life is kind of revealed in that. And so let's read Romans chapter four together, uh, verse 18 to 24, and it says this, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. 
so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. This is the word of God. Now, if you read the context behind Romans 4, it's simply this. The argument that the Apostle Paul makes is, we enter into the rest of God through our faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when we enter into this rest of faith, through faith in, in what God has done, God is giving us, a, you know, he's proclaiming a spiritual verdict over our life. He's saying that we are justified. We're declared innocent in his, in his sight. And, and the point here is that we're not striving with our good works and with our efforts to keep the law, to please God, to find his favor. Instead, we're coming to a place of rest where we're, we stop striving in our moral performance to win God's favor, and instead we're exchanging it to receive God's gift through the promised and perfected work of Jesus Christ and his merit. And, and, and this is what God is calling and saying that we are justified. It's a legal standing that he's bestowing on us when we exercise our faith. Now, all of us, when we, you know, we receive, we hear this gospel message, we receive it by faith, we enter into his rest, and then our faith kind of gets stagnant. You know, we, we always talk about salvation, but then are we moving beyond that? Are we moving beyond that? Um, you know, God, God comes back and he says, Scripture is exhorting us again and again. It's not just enough to enter into the rest of God, but we are to work out our salvation. We are to exercise our faith to actually experience the goodness, faithfulness, and love of God. And this is only possible when we actually exercise our faith in believing what God has spoken to us and said about who he is and what he will do. Um, you know, oftentimes for us, it's like we open the door of salvation, we walk through it, and we shut the door behind us, and that's it. It's great. We've crossed over from death to life, as it says in John chapter 5, verse 24, and all is well. And so we think, but the journey of faith has just begun once we have entered into that rest of God. Now, the hard work is actually enduring and exercising faith to see the promises of God come to life and become a reality, an experiential reality for us. See, the Apostle Paul asks this question. Like, let's ask this question. Examine your own heart and ask yourself, what is it that you truly believe in concerning God? It's not enough to know, or knowing about God, knowing Scripture is not the same thing as believing in Scripture. Because believing in Scripture demands an element of trusting God. You can know scripture, but that doesn't mean you necessarily believe in it. And you are commanded and you are called to experience God's faithfulness by exercising your faith. This is the only way that it's possible. This is the only way that we're actually going to know who this God is. It's only when we start exercising our faith. So 
The Apostle Paul makes the same statement again. You come back and you ask yourself, you know, what, what do you believe in? Examine what you say and what you do in your everyday life. Whether it's in the mountaintop experience or whether you're in the valley, just, just examine your, your words. See, the Apostle Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, he says, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And what he's doing is he's re-emphasizing the words that Jesus said in the gospel when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, he said, you know, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so we're wanting to start at sort of the fundamentals of faith. We want to go back and just sort of look at some of the arguments that Scripture is making about what it is to have faith, what it is to walk in faith, and then come at a conclusion of what Abraham did and what he discovered in his own walk as we read in this passage of scripture. So let's look at the fundamentals of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, gives us the perfect definition of faith. And this is what it says. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things that is not seen. Okay, assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Now, what that means is faith actually has both a component, it addresses both the present and the future. Assurance of things hoped for means that we have a guarantee that God will do what he promised to do. That's what it means. So it's, and why is that? Why are we challenged by scripture to put our, our, our certainty in the word of God? Why are we asked to do that? Because Jesus simply said that his word is spirit and truth. He declared his word to be eternal. It is not a construct and bound by time or nature. See, God's word is going to outlive our lives, right? And God is called the God of generations because his promises will endure not to me, but to my children and my children's children. And I may, I, I will die and may not even, sometimes you may not even see the fulfillment of all the promises of God, but that doesn't mean it's failed. It doesn't mean that God's word has stopped. And that's what makes it so powerful. It is a supernatural reality. But do I believe that when I'm living my life every day? That this is a supernatural truth, a, a, a spiritual truth. And it is my life. It, it, my life is so entangled with it. The second part, when he talks about conviction of things not seen, what that means is I believe now in the promise of God, not when it actually manifests itself in reality. Okay, I believe now that what God has promised to me has already been done. I don't need to see it in my life, like tangibly, to say that now I believe that this is true. And that's the challenge of what, what God is putting before us when he talks about faith. It's a component of the present. I believe now, even though I don't see the manifestation of the promise, and I am banking and anchoring my future hopes on the promise of God's word because he's faithful who promised. He can't change because he's made a, a promise and he's sworn by nobody more greater than himself. He's only him. And he says, I'm not gonna change. I can't go back on my word. And so we are put before, what's put before us is like now we have to work this out. How do we make this a personal reality and experience for our life? See, scripture is gonna challenge us with, with statements like, 
You know, when you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. Uh, or when you seek him, you find him. Or my favorite is like, you enter into the presence and very throne of God through Jesus Christ by his spirit. And God was asking me, do you believe that, Joyson? Is this your mindset when you are living your life every day that you can actually come into my presence? You may not see me, but that you are actually in my presence when you come to pray, when you come to talk to me. Am I, am I like having that in the back of my head? Am I believing in this reality that this is what God's word says and I'm living that out? And the truth is, I neglected that truth. I neglected it. I took it for granted that this was my privilege as a child of God. And what God was rebuking me was he was saying, listen, it's not about whether you're on the mountaintop and you're enjoying life and everything's going well for you, or whether you're in the valley and you're facing challenges. The point is, if you have a resolute conviction of who I am and my word, it doesn't matter where you are, because you can have the bad news come your way, but your heart is steadfast, it's resolute, it's trusting God, it's unshaken. And this is what God is challenging me. He's saying, your thinking, your heart is not positioned in such a way that you're exercising your faith when you look at my words and you say, this is reality. I may not be experiencing tangibly, naturally, the way that I want it to be, but that doesn't mean it's not true, because God has said it's to be true. And this is where I have to keep testing and challenging my heart. And so, this morning, you know, I, I want us to ask and, and get to the next level, like, Examine your own lives. Are you walking with this perpetual mindset and being renewed with the truth that this is my reality as a child of God? That I'm exercising faith in this way. When I come to, to believe in God's word, when I gather together in prayer, it says, you know, when two or three are gathered, God's presence is here. Do I believe that? Or this is just routine. This is just me coming and, you know, doing my religious exercise of Christianity. When we don't exercise faith, our life is powerless. And that's truth, that's a reality. We'll all experience that. Now I want us to look at the enemies to faith, okay? The enemies of faith is unbelief. And again, refer to the writer of Hebrews when he talks about a warning against falling away from God, okay? He says in Hebrews chapter three, verse 12, he says, take heed, brothers, lest any of you have an evil unbelieving heart that leads you away from the living God. He's declaring unbelief to be an evil thing. Have you thought, thought about that? When you're not believing in the word of God that you're actually engaging in something evil? And so what is he saying? He's saying this, listen, sin breeds deception. And deception leads to unbelief. And unbelief leads you away from the presence of God and his truth. And so when we neglect to walk with this resolute mindset of exercising our faith, what it's doing is it's actually eroding away the power of God and his word to us. It's not as if God's word has become powerless, but it has become powerless to us because we are now going down this slippery slope of you know, fading away and from really experiencing and believing in the, in the truth of God's power and his, his word. And Satan loves to reinforce this deception in our life. 
and he will do everything that he can to reinforce it out of the arsenal of his toolbox. He's going to bring it out into our lives, and he's going to expose it. Some of the things that he will use, discouragement, unforgiveness, disappointment. He will bring this to you to cloud and shroud you in this darkness of, of doubt and, and, and unbelief because he's deceiving you into thinking that you know, God is now far away from you. He's distant. Is he really with you? You're facing all these challenges. Where is the promises? Why hasn't it come true? You keep holding on and you keep believing, but you're not seeing the reality of it. That's the thing that's running in your mind. And he's going to take that and he's going to use that against us. Why? Because it's so much easier for him to deceive us than to engage us directly. When we stop exercising our faith, we become so powerless. And he's like, oh, I already won. Why am I going to exercise more effort when I can just deceive you into believing that you, you lost? Right? And so this is the strategy of the enemy. He's using this to actually defeat us. And so here are the enemies to faith. Sin and Satan, both working hand in hand, hand in glove, as they would say. And so we find ourselves in this position where you know, you're, you're being weighed down and challenged to believe in the word of God. Ask yourself if you're being deceived and a question in your own heart, am I, am I really buying this or is this because I'm actually being attacked? Am I actually being deceived by the enemy? Um, let's look at Abraham's life, the life of, uh, of a man who fought for faith. See, in, in verse 18, it says this, Abraham, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. Abraham held on to the promises of God against the odds, right? And why did he go up against the odds? Because God told him. And so we have the full revelation of scripture which he does not have. And so what is God's word telling us? It's saying to us, it is written that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's written that we overcome by our faith. And so what are we doing with it? Are we taking this and going up against the odds that are in our lives, that have been positioned against our lives? Abraham did. And he didn't have the full revelation of Scripture. Number two, he says this. Um, he did not, verse 19, he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. Abraham did not subject his belief to what he experienced when it was contrary to the word of God. See, he, he didn't create a doctrine to help explain why it's taking so long for the fulfillment of God's promise. Okay, he didn't just chalk it up to the sovereignty of God. Abraham is called God's friend, okay? And he had to wait 25 years for the manifestation of this promise, 25 years. But 25 years of consistency is what you saw in the life of Abraham, 25 years of consistency. What was he doing? He wasn't allowing his circumstances to, to reduce God's word Okay, he was fighting his circumstances so that it will bow down to God's word and it will become a reality for him. 
See, he was convinced that God had the power to do what he, was, he promised to do. He had the conviction of things that was not seen. He believed it now, even though it wasn't in his hands. Right? And what did he do? He continued in that consistency in his life, having faith in God. He's saying, God can't go back on his word. And I'm going to wait till it happens. You know, if your friend waits 25 years to make good on your promise, you'll probably be really pissed off, you know? <laughs> but, and it says here that he waited 25 years with faithfulness. Why did he wait 25 years with faithfulness? Was God, you know, just putting him through this? No, he did this for a reason. He did this for us. He did this to make an example of Abraham for us to show how faithful Abraham was in his walk and how we are being called to do likewise. See, it's, it, the scripture is saying that it wasn't, even, it wasn't just counted to him as righteousness because he believed, but it is also written for us who will believe. See, God wants to commend our faith when we walk in it, when we exercise in it, and when we see the manifestation of its reality in our life, we can turn back and say, yes, God has done it, but then he's also gonna say, well done to us, as he did to Abraham. But it is a fight. It is difficult, it is disappointing, it is discouraging. But he didn't, he didn't stop. See, his actions were exposing his heart. And what is really important is that we have to realize the word of God in our mouth is a weapon. Okay? It is a weapon that we use to proclaim our faith and we use to stand on the foundation of God's truth against our opposition. It is what we are going to do in order to face our giants. This is how we go up against our giants. This is how we don't shrink back. This is how we stand firm and fight until we see what God promised to become the reality that it is to us. And so this morning, you know, as, as I lead these thoughts with you, I mean, this is what God was teaching me this past week, and um, I'm still in the walk, right? I haven't got there yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's going to happen. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die until believing even if it doesn't happen because I know God is faithful, right? And so do you. And so let's, let's come to this resolute mindset of exercising our faith and not taking scripture for granted when it gives these promises. It's giving us glimpses into spiritual realities that, you know, it's, it's amazing when you experience it, but you can only experience it, you can only activate it when you use your faith, when you exercise your faith. And so be encouraged, you know, when you're facing challenges, when you're going up against your giants. Some people have, you know, I don't know what you're facing, but I'm sure it's difficult. Don't be discouraged. Don't shrink back. Don't quit. This is what God is saying. You look at Abraham's life, 25 years, he didn't quit. I mean, he looked at the impossibility of his own life. He's like looking at it. He's not looking at himself. He's not looking at his circumstances, right? He's not letting his circumstance dictate what he believes. He let God's word dictate what his circumstances must be. And that's the change that God wants for us in our mindset, in our belief, in our heart. So let's pray. Father, I, I come to you this morning as with your people, with your children, and I pray for your Holy Spirit to, to fill us. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen us through your Spirit and the inner man that Christ may dwell in our heart with great faith 
And that we would have, Lord, the privilege of searching out and knowing this Jesus that we have come to believe in and his goodness. And surely, as your scripture says, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray, Lord, that we can experience the goodness of God in our life on a daily basis because you will move us to act on our faith in your sure promises. Your word says everything in Christ Jesus is yes and amen to what Christ is, what God has already promised. And so I just pray that for us, that it will be a reality in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.